It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk. My comrades today are Paul Dettino and Jeff Fegels taking your calls at 201-939-4513. We'll get to those calls a bit later on in the show, but we're going to focus on the draft to start. We've been doing a lot of our prospect guests from different schools, but instead today uh, we're going to bring in one of our draft experts, and that is Ryan Roberts, who's new to the program, you can check out his work on Rise and Draft, also covers Notre Dame recruiting for SI and other outlets as well. Ryan, you got John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegels, and Paul Dottino here in East Rutherford, New Jersey, man. Thanks for being with us. How are you today? I'm good, fellas. I'm good. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for being with us. And I want to start with the tweet you put out earlier today, because I think we're in the same camp. Explain the tweet you put out about Trevon Walker who now is getting a lot of top five, maybe even top three hype, and why you think the way you do. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's really tough, honestly, man. It's Because um, I, I really want to buy into what Trevon Walker is so much because, I mean, the edge position, defensive end specifically, like you have to have traits. And at six foot five, 275, 35-inch arms, I mean, he runs 4.5 at the combine. He has a 40-inch vert, so... Clearly, he has athletic gifts that are just unteachable, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's very easy to get excited about the player. But on film, I think that they're a little further apart than what the athletic upside is right now. And if you're going for the long term, I'd be comfortable mid-first round taking a gamble, you know, maybe somewhere even 10 to 20. Like, I would be okay with it, um, you know, but I really think when you're talking about a top five, top ten pick, I think the ceiling and the floor are a little too far apart for me personally right now. So I've heard the same thing, John, and I would tell you that there is definite smoke to this fire. Uh, I would be surprised if he gets past pick three with everything I'm hearing right now. And uh, it's it's certainly uh, there certainly is real real smoke to this one, man, which makes me a little nervous because I feel like this guy's going to get kind of pressured into being this premier player early on. And I think the long term could be great, but I think short term. I think the short-term outcome is not going to live up quite to that hype. You know, you just said three, and my jaw dropped to the floor. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind telling you that because look, there have been those who have floated around top ten. I've seen that before. I've seen his name connected to the Giants at seven. I've seen that too. Top three? I mean, you know. That to me, that that's got to be some team putting out some bluffing information there. That's got to be because if you take somebody that high, and I think you would agree with me as being somebody who does draft stuff for a living, you better be damn sure with conviction that that guy is going to be an impact player. You can't be taking a reach. You can't be taking a guess. You can't be saying, well, the athletic profile fits, but we're going to have to mold this piece of clay to become the guy we need him to be. Yeah, no, there's there's no argument to me. I mean, I was talking to someone yesterday. It was like there's a reason that these play, these uh, teams that are picking top ten are usually picking top ten every single year, right? Like they make mistakes all the time. Trevon, I think, man, like I like I think number two is a definite possibility. To be honest with you, I've heard a lot of smoke around Detroit, 
And it could just be the rumor mill because, you know, obviously there's a lot of misinformation that's thrown out there, and there's a lot of things that obviously get floated around a lot. And, I mean, they're even talking about Detroit maybe being in the Malik Willis market at quarterback. And I, I really do think that there is something to the effect that, like, especially Detroit, because what happens is I think is, like, Jacksonville is going to draft one of the uh, defensive end at the number one. It's probably going to be Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. And then Detroit's in a really awkward situation because they could take a defensive end, but the uh, the assumption is now that Kayvon Thibodeau's dropping down a little bit. Are, are you comfortable with taking, you know, the kid out of Florida State, Jermaine Johnson? Do you like Trevon Walker that much? You're not going to draft one of the offensive tackles because you already have Taylor Decker and Penny Soul from last year, so you're not going to draft one of those dudes at, at number two to you know move inside and play guard, you know, during the first year and see what kind of happens. And then do you take a Kyle Hamilton at number two as a safety? Like you know, traditionally that just doesn't happen. So I, I just think they're in a really awkward situation, and you could be very well right. Like this could be some information that's putting out there because I think Detroit in a perfect world would love to move back because I just don't think that they're where they are from a roster construction perspective, really aligns with what's going to be available at two. And this class, specifically, I just keep reiterating it like every single day, this is the trade-back draft, if you can, in my opinion, because there's a lot of depth to this class. But I don't think this is a class that you want to be picking top five or maybe even top ten. You want to have a lot of, a lot of capital in this draft, but I don't think you necessarily want the top, you know, top of the board type of capital, if that makes sense. Well, Ryan, that's music to my ears because we've been talking about this for a while, about the Giants sitting there at 5-7 and seven and the possibility of moving down and stockpiling some picks not only for this year but for next year because the quarterback class may be a little bit better. Um, get away from the quarterbacks for a second. You know that as, as time goes by, a lot of times these quarterbacks get a little bit sexier to some teams and they can move into that top 10, maybe even the top 5. I want to ask you your opinion because one thing that we talk about on Big Blue Kickoff Live here with our fans a lot of times is the fact that the Giants are going to need to rebuild their offensive line sooner than later. Um, with the big three guys, Neil, Aquanu, and Cross, tell me a little bit about those three guys and is there a possibility that maybe, just maybe one of those guys could be there, probably more, more like Cross than the other two at seven in case the Giants wanted to trade out of their five position? Yeah, I would say there's definitely possible at least one of them there at seven. I mean, I think two of them could be there at five because I, I imagine that there's going to be a run on defensive ends early the first few picks. So um, it really depends what your flavor is. I know obviously, you know, you have Andrew Thomas who had a nice bounce back year after, you know, a struggling rookie year. And it looks like he's the guy, obviously, long-term at left tackle. And I really liked him a lot at Georgia. So I was happy to see the ascension that he had in year two. You have Evan Neal, who in my opinion is kind of, you know, wherever you want to put him, he, he can do the job. You're right. He's, Six seven, three hundred thirty-seven pounds, clean frame, good athlete, thirty-four inch arms. He just kind of hits every threshold you wanted off as a tackle, and he started at three different positions at Alabama in the best conference in college football. So it's a really easy transition. Well, not easy, but it's it's a more doable transition as a at a tough position off at the tackle that maybe traditionally it is for some some uh, players. So he can come in. I know you have the whole right tackle. You know with. Shoulder and Parrot and all, you know, obviously nobody's kind of taking that position. So, like, hey, if you want to have Evan Neal play right tackle, if you want to, you know, see what happens, they lose inside the guard. Like, I think he has a lot of flexibility because he's played all those different spots. Equano, I feel similarly with because he has played tackle. He's played an inside a guard. I'm not I'm not as high on Equano as the other two, to be honest with you. I, I prefer both Neal and Cross higher than Equano because I think he's a little more scheme-specific. 
But I do think that he can serve a couple different roles in that offense. If he's a guard for you long term, I think he'll be a damn good guard. If he's a tackle, I think he's you know good in the power scheme. I think that he, as long as he's quick setting and doing all that type of stuff, I, I really do like a lot of what he does. And then Charles Cross is the interesting one. I, I don't know if I love the projection to the Giants as much because he is the best pure pass blocker in the draft, in my opinion, at offensive tackle, but he has only ever played left tackle, and he kind of has still is developing power. And I'm just not sure that he fits perfectly in at right tackle, and I don't think that even though Andrew Thomas played some right tackle at Georgia, I don't think you're going to want to move him with the steps that he took as a second-year player. So I think Evan Neal is the guy, especially if he's there. I think Aquanu makes sense. I love Charles Cross for what he is, but I'm just not sure that it's a perfect fit with the Giants. All right, so let's jump then, Ryan, to edge. Let's say the Giants nab one of those offensive tackles there, and they're trying to figure out who their second guy is going to be. Uh, you talked about Thibodeau. Um, when would you start feeling comfortable with Jermaine Johnson being a selection? How early would you be willing to take him based on just really one year of tape? And in terms of Thibodeau, how much are you concerned and how much have you heard about the other stuff that you don't see when you watch him on tape? I think it's really overblown with Thibodeau to start there. I, I think it really is. I feel like every single year we get a player that has just been on the forefront of everyone's minds for so long that he gets overanalyzed. You know, but they are questioning him right now because he likes things other than football. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. They did the same thing with Miles Garrett when he came out of Texas A&M. And obviously, <laughs> Miles Garrett was a – was a was a you know a higher tier prospect than Kayvon is. Kayvon's a very good prospect, but you know, they, they overanalyzed Miles Garrett and because he was just kind of the same thing, you know. In interviews, he would you talk talk not just about football. So the kid's never gotten in trouble. He's had had some durability spots over the last couple of years, which I think is the biggest worry for him. Not so much the off the field clamor that's kind of happening right now. So I'm comfortable with him, and honestly, I would take him in the top five, and I wouldn't even second guess it at, at this point. But um, it's again, there is some talk that he may drop to somewhere, maybe eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that ballpark. So we got to kind of see what the evaluation happens with that. I would still take him over Jermaine Johnson. I wouldn't even think second about it. I think Jermaine in most years is a mid first round pick somewhere in the 15, 16 range, somewhere in that ballpark. And he's a good player. You know, he's got all the size attributes. He's a very good athlete. He went to the senior bowl and he was the best player on the, on the field during that senior bowl week. I mean, so much so that the last day of practice, he was just kind of like, nah, guys, I'm, I'm good, man. Like, I'll leave today. You know, I don't need to do anything else. So I, I would be happy with the mid first round. I think top 10 pushing it a little bit, but he is a really, he's a good player who has a really high floor. So I definitely understand it. I think that the, the baseline is, more comfortable with a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, but I do think that Thibodeau has a, a, a significantly higher ceiling than a guy like Jermaine Johnson. I need to ask you about a curiosity I have over a player who I wasn't as high on, but over the course of the last two months, you don't hear his name talked about very much in the top ten anymore, and that's George Karloftis out of Purdue. Uh, I, I never thought that the hype that he was getting early on as soon as the season ended as potentially a guy who would be a top 10, I didn't think it was warranted. I see now his name seems to be evaporating and disappearing in recent weeks. What have you heard about why that has happened other than the fact that maybe people just finally decided to look at the tape and figured out he was not truly a top 10 pick? Well, I really like George, to be honest with you. I, I really do. I think that he is a 
bona fide power plug. You know, he's a guy that can create speed of power as well as anybody in this in this draft. And I think he's got the best hands in the draft. I think why you're seeing the, the slide a little bit is that he's not a dynamic athlete. You know, he's going to be a guy that's a little more scheme specific. He's going to be a little more scheme dependent. He's not going to be a diverse player. Like he's not going to play in, you know, stand up in a three, four in a scheme and ask him to play in space a ton. He's going to have to have his specified role because there is, you know, not the greatest length in the world. He's got sub 33 inch arms and he's mm-hmm. you know, just a good athlete, not an exceptional athlete. Plays with but high pad I level mean, too. High pad level, yeah. which is going to be an issue. Yeah, no, it could, it can be, it can be for sure. But you know, I just kind of want to. I really do think that the floor is very high with a guy like a George, and I really do like George a ton, to be honest with you. And it's just kind of funny sometimes because, you know, people have talked about the, you know, the length concerns all the time with George, but he had longer arms and a longer wingspan than Aiden Hutchinson. So there's, it's just funny how some of that stuff works. I, I am bought into George. I'm, you know, top 10. You know, I think it's a little rich for a lot of these players, but unfortunately it's just not the class at top where, you're comfortable in sliding those guys back. Like some people are just pushing up. I ultimately think that George's draft is somewhere 10 to 25, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't think he was top 10, but I think in the 10 to 25 range, you're getting a really good player, and I would be comfortable with that type of guy in that, in that range. And by the way, to clarify, I have no problem with that either. I just don't see him as a top 10 because for top 10, you need to be dynamic. You need to be big-time impact. Just being a really good player isn't enough to be a top 10. That's fair. That's very fair. I, I, have, I have no issue with that at all because I agree, especially at defensive end with, at the edge position. You bet on traits all the time, and George's traits just aren't as good. He's more of a finished product, quote-unquote, right? Like he's got great hands, and he understands how to use his body positioning and his power to be a productive football player. But I agree. I, I don't think that he's going to be a high-volume, super-sack guy. Like I think he's going to be 8 to 10 sacks most season. He's going to be a really good run defender, but I agree. I don't think that he's a dynamic player by any stretch. Um, Ryan, so let's talk a little bit about the defensive backs position. The Giants are, you know, currently they've got James Bradbury on the, the roster. There's been rumors about him possibly getting traded somehow because of the cap stuff. But, you know, Sauce Gardner is a, somebody that everybody is uh, excited about. When Would the Giants be able to get him at that fifth position? Talk to me a little bit about him, what he brings, and is he a guy that you think that could definitely, well, I think we all think he could definitely go in, in that fifth position. Yeah, I, I was a little hesitant on Sauce, honestly, to be you know to be frank. In, in the summer and even into the season a little bit, I was just kind of like, I get the size, you know, 6'2 and a half, 33-inch arms. I get the length. That's all great. He's been a very consistent player. I didn't know what type of athlete he was, though. I kind of questioned the long speed a little bit. He answered that, obviously, at the combine running into the 4-4s. Four and he's just a player where I don't know if his upside is near a Derek Stingley Jr., if he's able to stay healthy and figure it out and get back kind of to that early career form at LSU. I don't even think that he is as high a ceiling as a guy like Andrew Wood Jr. from Clemson, who's a guy that I really like a ton. But I think that the baseline is just so high, and he's checked every single box. Like, at this point, it's just going to be some super nitpicking stuff. And I do mm-hmm. think that there is going to be some concerns with me. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that I'm going to play an off-man a ton because I just don't think that he changes direction incredibly, but, incredibly well. But if you're a team that wants to play a bunch of press or you're a team that wants to play heavy zone – I think he's about as safe a prospect in this class as you possibly find. So I, I think that he's just a player that has continued to check boxes, continued to answer questions, and there's just not really much else that he can, you know, try to nitpick right now. Like, he's just a guy that has answered every question throughout this process so far. Well, Ryan, let me follow up here because you've mentioned this a couple times. How many and who are your true 
guys in this class that in a normal year you would be comfortable taking in the top 10? Yeah, no, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, is somebody that I would be comfortable every single year. Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, who we haven't talked about, even though he's a safety, I would be comfortable because I think he's the I think he's the only prospect in this class that I would comfortably say is close to a generational player because you just don't see 6'4", 220 with that type of range at the back end come around very often. I mean, you're talking about guys historically that are like the Kenny Eastleys, the Steve Atwaters, like that's the size profile you're seeing with a guy like Kyle. So he, come, he only comes out around every few years. So he would be a guy that I would be very comfortable if I was for sure getting a healthy Derek Stingley, I think that he would be in, in a vacuum, a player that I would be comfortable with. I think Andrew Boot Jr. from Clemson is a guy that I would be comfortable with. Um, thinking through it, offensive tackles, like I would be, I would be safe with Evan Neal every single year. I think that he's in that, in that conversation. I would be good with, uh, with, um, uh, Charles Cross every single year too. And maybe even one of the wide receivers. But outside of that, like there's definitely no quarterbacks in this class that I would be comfortable with. I think there's some guys like the Trevon Walker, Jimmy Johnson, they're just getting pushed up. Cause there's a few guys that I think are, you know, close to blue chip caliber players, but I just don't think there's as much as we usually have. Can I do one quick follow up on Kyle Hamilton real quick? One thing that we, we, we've talked about on our other draft podcast draft season with Kyle Hamilton is in the modern NFL, when you sometimes need your safety to be able to reduce down into the slot and cover man on man against a quick wide receiver, given his length, you know, his lack of, you know, top-end speed and change of direction, a lot of it because of his length, right? He just, you know, you just can't change directions when you're that long sometimes. For you, does that at all impact, you know, the level of your evaluation when you're maybe not sure if he's a guy that you feel comfortable reducing into the slot to cover receivers one-on-one? Or do you just say, I'm picking this guy, I'm not going to ask him to do that sort of stuff? Well, I mean, I wouldn't ask him to do it all the time at all, but I mean, even in spurts during college, like you saw him cover guys like Tutu Atwell against Louisville, who were, you know, guys that were drafted in the second round as 160 pounds flop, and I thought he covered him very successfully. Now, it's never going to be a matchup where that's going to be the, that's going to be the one that you want, right? Because <laughs> like you said, I mean, he's a high-legged kid, so he's just not going to be a, you know, 6-4 and 8 matching up against a 5-10 slot receiver. Of course. It's not going to be one that you're going to win every single time, but I think in, in the other regard, though, we, we have seen the NFL move at times to some bigger slots. You know, the, the, the Drake Londons of the world that are now coming at the NFL that might be put into there a little bit. LaVisca Chanel obviously has been a guy in Jacksonville, although he hasn't been super successful. That's been a guy that they've kind of toyed with that role as well. So I think that you can create those matchups because I think that his length in those situations will be a lot more advantageous. And then obviously the tight end eraser conversation, I think it's huge for a guy like Kyle. But I think that you just don't pigeonhole a player like him, man. Like you just – He's a guy that was the best athlete on Notre Dame's defense, on a good defense, too. And, you know, they would just put him at single high for safety a ton and just let him kind of roam back there, which is just, yeah. you know, not typical for 6'4", 220. Like, you don't see that too much. But I think his range is awesome on the back end. I think that he's a guy that, you know, from a too high perspective, I mean, I, I've even linked him to, to the Giants. I honestly don't know if there is any interest there. But, like, I would love seeing him with Xavier McKinney because I think in two high shells, rotating either one down and doing a, a variety of things, I think would be a really fun proposition. So I'm bought into Kyle, man. He's, for my money, he's the best player in the draft, but he plays safety, so he's, he's not going to be obviously in his first two, two to three picks, even though I have heard some buzz about it, but I just doubt that he ends up going there. See, Kyle, you just led into my next question. You're really good with the ESP, let me tell you that right now. Because you've got a group of people out there, okay, who just want to be different, 
who just love to pick stuff apart. They're married to positional value above everything else. And I'm telling you now, I have had Giants fans hit me up on Twitter, basically ready to jump off the George Washington Bridge if the Giants take Kyle Hamilton. Because, oh my God, positional value. You you can't possibly take that guy. He's off the board at five or seven because positional value rules all. I think a lot of people overreact to everything. In my opinion, mm-hmm. there are certain fundamentals. There's football 101. I'm an old school guy. John will tell you I'm the Parcells whisperer. So, you know, George Young and Bill Parcells are like, you know, the Pope and Pope number two for me. So I get that. I'm an old school guy, and I got my principles. Hope too. I've never heard that one before. But, but too, yeah. But there are always <laughs> there are always exceptions to the rules. Okay. Yep. And I'm not telling you that I would draft Kyle Hamilton at five or seven if I'm the Giants. I'm not telling you that I would. But I'm also not going to say with 100 percent conviction. Oh, positional value rules. I can't <laughs> draft him. How many teams right. do you believe? are going to look at Kyle Hamilton, like you just said a moment ago, and said he might be the highest-graded player in this draft. And because of positional value, I can't take him in the top five or maybe even the top ten. I think there's going to be a few, I mean, to be honest with you. I I do think that it is possible. I've heard some smoke Detroit is, is taking a long look at him at two. I've heard some smoke that Houston likes him at three. So I, I think that it's still possible that he does go that high, but I, I think that it's definitely something where teams really do have a they have, they have a, ba- a bad perspective on it a little bit because it's like I, I mean the Giants for instance right like they have a need of right tackle they have a needed edge opposite of Aziz Ojolari so like I get it you know those are two premier positions this draft is loaded with offensive tackles and defensive ends I completely get it but if you're sitting there at seven with the Giants in this in this, in this you know in this um, hypothetical. If you're sitting there and you have Jermaine Johnson or you have Kyle Hamilton in theory, like, yes, maybe Jermaine Johnson's more than need, but Kyle Hamilton is just such a higher-graded player for me, it wouldn't even be much of a conversation. So I do think that there are teams that do subscribe to the thinking, um, and I think it is a flawed way of thinking about it because, I mean, for me, again, Kyle Hamilton is the only player that I think is close to a generational player in this draft, and I would be completely fine with their draft them top five. Unfortunately, it's just... It's just how people think, man. It's like it's an archaic way of looking at it. You know, the draft, value, especially when you're in the top ten like this, right? Because for the most part, teams that are drafted in the top ten, unless there was some weird circumstance, are not very good football teams. So I, I think that the best player available is the, the, the obligation that you have to your team sometimes. But, I mean, we've seen it, man. Like, people just subscribe to the positional value a ton. So I, I do think that there are going to be plenty of teams in the top ten if they get to them that they're going to overtake it a little bit. Right, last one for me. Um, just sticking on the offensive side of the football, the Giants are in need of possibly t- a tight end. I know it's not a great class this year. Give me a little, maybe one or two guys. Um, can they wait to get outside that top 100? Um, or do they need to maybe, can they find somebody in there? Give me your little your take on the wide receiver, or excuse me, the tight end position for the draft this year. Yeah, it, it's something where I, I feel like a lot of people have a – perception of the class that it's this really deep um, class at tight end and it is deep when you're just talking about guys that I think can contribute to an offense but if you're talking about a guy that you need to be like your right. top tight end and he's going to be your top volume getter, I, I don't think there's a ton of those guys in this class. There's I no like Trey McBride a ton. 
No, there's definitely no Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Next year when we get Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame or two years ago, two years from now when we get Brock Bowers out of Georgia, then we can start having you know, similar conversations. Sure. There is no guy like that in this class. So if you're looking after the top ten, uh, top 100, because I think that Trey McBride's going to be a guy that's going to go pretty early. Um, maybe a guy like a Kate Ott in Washington might get somewhere in that top 100. But I do think there are some interesting players outside of the top 100. Like I think – if Greg Dulcich from UCLA is a guy that could be somewhere after the top 100, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State's a big body that tested a lot better than I thought he was going to test. Grant Calcaterra at SMU started his career um, actually at Oklahoma and was a guy that a lot of uh, draft fans were really a big fan of, and he ended up at SMU after retiring briefly at Oklahoma for concussions. So I think there's a few guys that are, are worthy of it, but I really don't think that there's a lot of – I don't. I think that the tight end class kind of lacks in the depth as far as starting level talent at tight ends. But if you're just okay. looking for guys that can compete and be role players, I do think there are a few of those guys at the top 100. All right, Ryan. Final question. And again, great stuff. We uh, really yeah, appreciate the time, Ryan Roberts from Rising Draft. Is this a draft, given just the nature of the class, where teams are going to have to be pretty leery of trying to smack home runs? Should teams just say, "Look, I know I'm going to get a good player here." I have to accept the fact that I might not find that generational player, not try to manufacture one out of traits, and just say, look, here's a good football player. Let me add a good football player, even though you might sit there and say, boy, I'm picking you know sixth overall, and I should be getting a better player than this. Is that where you might get into some trouble in this draft when you're trying to manufacture players that really aren't there? Yeah, no, I mean, yes, yes, you can get into a lot of trouble because, I mean, we talked about Trevon Walker a ton, right? The, the conversation goes, Trevon Walker in the top ten, or do you take Jermaine Johnson, who's a little bit more of a short thing, even though he was only a, really a one-year huge contributor at Florida State after transferring from Georgia. But I, I really do think that at some positions it really depends because I, I am much more lenient to taking a swing for a home run at positions like defensive end at times, like offensive tackle, sure. at corner, like those positions that really, I mean, it, it matters, kind of the, the caliber of athlete that you are at some of those positions more than others. So I'm okay with it at times, but I really do think, John, again, like this is a draft for me that I'm trading back as much as possible. <laughs> I'm getting picks, man. Like I am getting picks in this draft. I would rather have like three or four picks in the 30 to 50 range than one pick in the top 15 this year. Like I just much rather would because I just don't think that there is – I, like, I don't even think that there's, like, I I just think that there's not many guys that I would even say, even if they have this huge upside, that are, you know, the upside to a degree where, like, if Trevon Walker hits, I think he's a, a, a really good player in the NFL, but I don't think he's an elite player in the NFL, you know what I mean? Like, I think we're kind of overvaluing that a little bit. So, this is a class for me that you definitely can fall victim to that, but I would just implore every team, like, if there is any possibility of trading back and just getting extra draft capital for me, the depth of this class, especially on day two, is, is is where you really want to make your money this year. Ryan, we literally have a minute before we lose you, so rapid fire. You said you want those picks between 30 and 50. Give me a couple guys you would target in that range if you had a couple picks in that area. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think the, uh, defensive end is obviously one that everyone talks about a ton. I think Cameron Thomas from from San Diego State's a guy that I like a ton. Boy Mafe from Minnesota has a lot of traits that you might like. Um, at defensive end, I think even a guy like an Alex Wright out of UAB, even though he's had kind of a funky draft process, it's 6'6", 265, 270 pounds, a guy that's super interesting. I think if you need offensive tackle, there's going to be plenty of dudes that, that could be in that range that I'd be a lot more comfortable with. I, I, I think of guys like Tyler Smith from Tulsa who might be um, in that similar range. Daniel Falele from Minnesota has another has had another funky 
you know, kind of process. And then Kellen Deesh from Arizona State, for me, at offensive tackle, was a guy that, you know, start, uh, didn't play much during his career at Texas A&M and then transfers over to Arizona State. And he had a really incredible combine, 488 at over six foot seven, 300 pounds. So those are a couple guys at very premier positions that I think in that 30 to 50 range, I think could present a lot of value with some starter upside. Ryan, that was awesome, man. Uh, tell the folks where they can find your stuff one more time before we say goodbye. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you guys. Uh, so it is Rise and Draft, R-I-S-E, capital N, Draft on Twitter. Uh, the draft process, um, anything you need in that regard is also riseanddraft.com. Keep it as simple as possible. And uh, As always, fellas, I really do appreciate you guys for having me, man. Now, Ryan, that was fun. Uh, great great stuff. stuff, and we will definitely talk again uh down the road, right, bud? Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ryan Roberts, good stuff there, guys. Reactions. Oh, there's there's one very obvious reaction, John, because it, <laughs> it becomes more and more and more common the more that we talk to people since the combine. Quarterbacks are not worthy of trading up for. They're just not. not and, and if there is more talent in that low first round into the second round pool, you're not going to find anybody who's going to be a sucker and trade up into the top 10. It's going to be harder and harder and harder and harder. All you need, and I will you say this. You just need one team to do it. Oh, yeah. right? What happens if the Pittsburgh Steelers decide that Malik Willis is their next franchise quarterback? You're going to need one team to do it, but will they have to go up into the top 10 to get it? Well, here's the thing, and Jeff and I talked about this on Friday. Here's yep. what's yep. changed since then. The Falcons at nine now need a quarterback. Yes. The Seahawks at 10 now need a quarterback. That was not the case when we had these conversations three or four weeks ago. That's fair. So that changes the... Don't forget about Atlanta. And I said Atlanta. I said Atlanta at 9. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Said, you said, you said, said Atlanta and Seattle. Me. And not to My mention bad. Carolina at 6, right? They're yep. still in that market, too. Yep. So that's See, the only thing that changes. Those two teams now are sitting in the top 10 with legitimate quarterback right. needs. And I agree. I wouldn't pull the trigger there, but... And I don't know if Pete Carroll wants to, you know, in his waning years, invest in a rookie quarterback. He's kind of like no. a win-now type of guy, right? And but- there, there does seem to be, again, part two of my statement was that there also seems to be a very strong consensus that there are no worthy quarterbacks right. that should be drafted in the top ten, which then should tell those teams, even if you desperately need one, sit tight, do what the Patriots did to wake for Mac Jones, right. and don't mm-hmm. panic and over-trade up to get one of them. The problem is that I don't know if you could wait if you're the Saints and Steelers and you really believe. <clears throat> excuse me. I call my after I've re- recovered from my wisdom teeth surgery, my yes. daughter was kind enough to give me a cold. Thanks, Clara. Um, <laughs> oh, it, it, it just never stops. Um, can you wait until that 18 and 20 range? That's the question because that's you know that's late. You know, no quarterbacks in the top eight, 17. That's a long. Yeah, we yeah. got. We've had people tell us that on this program tougher. that there are no first round values. Oh, I know, but that doesn't mean that quarterbacks. You know, you know, Smith of course. got taken in the first of round. Of course, right? I mean, EJ we, Manuel we, got taken. We, in the first We know round. it's probably going to happen. Two or three of them will go in the first round. We know that, but we also have a pretty good consensus out there saying that. They're going to be overdrafted in the first round. You're right. They won't really be worth where they're drafted. Everybody pretty much knows that. It's still a guessing game, though, as to where they're going to go. Jeff, go ahead. 
Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, to me, after speaking or talking to Ryan and listening to what he's saying, is that, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about, well, we talked about uh, Jermaine Johnson on Friday, J- John, you and I did, how, um, you know, he's just kind of shot up the boards a little bit. Now you talk about Walker, too. I mean, evidently, you know, what we've been hearing about these edge rushers is far, by far more uh, of a chance for somebody to come up and get one of these guys rather than one of these, you know, the quarterbacks that really just aren't what we're talking about, right? I mean, it just seems to me like this is where this kind of shooting towards that somebody's going to come up and get one of these edge rushers if they can. But it just sure does seem a lot that Walker is at number three. That one threw me for a little. Uh, what I'll about you guys, you, right? I think that's – I've seen it from enough people and I've really? talked to enough people. Wow, not, okay. not, and not people in this building. Yeah, sure, no. But enough people that I trust – Wow. Trayvon Walker it will probably not be on the board with the Giants pick at five. Interesting. That okay. is my, my So you opinion, think he's he above is, Thibodeau? I believe right now on most boards he is above Thibodeau, okay. yes. Wow. All right. Well, hey, listen, I mean, that the guy's is my a football gut player. instinct. I mean, that is my gut instinct. Could wow. be a lot of smoke out there too, John. Yeah, but, I know. But, but you know what, guys? Again, yeah. even if it does happen, we've always talked about you know these players uh, that move up the board and teams that are going to go get them. Um, whether they go get them or not, or they just the teams that are set there right now get them. It just gives you at five a better selection of who you want to pick. Yeah, and look, and that's why I've been saying I think as much as I like the rain on Paul's parade because it's fun. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a real chance Neil or Quanu are there at five now. I think there's mm-hmm. a legitimate good shot. I yep. would be very happy. No, I was joking with with Jeff. So I get the best of both worlds on Friday, Paul. That. <laughs> Jets come up at four. No tackles are gone. So, mm-hmm. I still want to have you suffer a little bit. So, I'm going to have the Jets take a Quanu <laughs> and break your heart. But I still get my offensive tackle on Evan and Neil. Neil. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm okay with Neil. Yes, but you would still my, be a little broken up. I would up bleed that a little. Quanu. Yeah. I would bleed a little. Oh, I want to see you bleed a little. There'd, there'd be like a pint of blood on the floor. <laughs> if, okay, just if a, a If a Quanu's gone, it's a pint. If Quano and Neil are both gone, You're dead. it's a quart. <laughs> all right. If Cross is also gone, I've got gallons all over the place. <laughs> How about this one, then? How about this one? This is a good scenario for both of you. <laughs> Paul's Ble- bleeding out. Ble- on the floor. Bleeding and all. <laughs> what if. Well, that's what by if, seven, because to me, yes. Cross is more of a seven. Correct. He's not a five. Okay, so let's just say that Quanu and Neil are gone. I still don't understand and, the difference. It's two picks apart. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. I'm just saying, do you think that Walker could still could be there? He could be there at 5-2, right? I mean, no, the he Giants could be. Would definitely... Sure. So are you taking Walker over Cross? I'm Wim. Are you t- am I taking Travon Walker over Charles Cross? <laughs> yes. I am not. I'm taking Charles Nor Cross. Nor am I. No. I would not do that either. Okay. Hey, can, can I just uh, kind of go off the road here for one second? Because sure. if I don't say this. I do have one call I want to get to. Okay, if yes, I don't say this now, I will forget. I am ecstatic that the Detroit Lions have been selected for hard knocks because that means HBO's cameras will not be in East Rutherford. Well, it can't be us because it's a new coach. That's right. I've totally forgot about that stipulation. Yep. Well, new staff. So it doesn't matter. I was happy anyway to hear the Lions got it. Dan Campbell, wish you all the best with those HBO cameras. You know, Paul, here's the thing. And I don't know if you've put this to, you could like become a star because of hard knocks. No, you are such a character. I want no such a lunatic. Chum in the water. You could, you could have like one of those little, like two or three minute mini segments on hard knocks. Oh my goodness. With you like running around like a lunatic and stuff. (laughs) Not the least bit interesting. You could become like an HBO off the property. You could become like a national celebrity. 
Oh, God. <laughs> and, and you know what? Here's the, here's the Pearson. Here's the problem. He would purposely direct those people over oh, to me. Absolutely. Knowing, no knowing the moments when I'm likely to go off. <laughs> and then, and then after he pointed them in my direction, he would prod me. I would prod you before I sent them in your direction. <laughs> I would get you heated up, and then I'd send them over. Of course. Ask him who, the, who the Pope content. is. Ask him who the Pope is. Yes. Ask him who there you go. Now, P2. even better, if we could get you know Grumpy Lance back in the building. <laughs> now, they'd have, to change all their, they'd have to change all the settings on their camera with his pale skin. He'd be, like, glowing in the sunlight. Oh, my. But, wow. <laughs> Jeez, I hate to see what you guys talk about me when I'm not on here. Gee whiz, this is bad. Lance, hang in there if you're listening. Oh, we have we all have things we make fun of each other for. Of course, it, it's 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 Lance the pale being pale white on the skin, height. I haven't heard one. <laughs> it's Lance being pale and, and and being short. It's it's Jeff forgetting everything. Yeah, and yeah. being a punter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's yeah. it's all good. It's Paul for being a dinosaur, and then I don't know what you guys make fun of me for, and I'm not here because I'm not here. So that would have to be something you guys have to tell me. No, we never make fun of you, Charles. Oh yeah, well that's because I control the schedule. <laughs> That's Trust right. me, there is plenty to make fun of. All right, let's go to the calls, 201-939-4513. Let's go to Cliff in New York. He leads us off first. Cliff, what's going on, man? Hi, How Cliff. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great stuff. Really Hello. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, uh, delighted to hear that uh, maybe somebody would trade up for something other than a quarterback with this Trevon Walker. Uh, the question I was thinking of all week for you guys was uh, – when it comes to Neil Cross and Iquano, this year's tackles, uh, are they in the same uh, class uh, value-wise as the last two uh, drafts tackles? You know, Mickey Becton, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Penny Sewell, Rayshon Slater. Do you if uh, do you rank rank them with those guys? Because I, this is this has to be somebody who plugs in as a starter, and all those guys did, right? I would put them slightly below the top part of those groups, right? Like, I think Slater and Sewell, I would probably have higher than the guys this year, I would probably say. Um, I really liked Rashawn Slater, though. I, had, I know a lot of other people mm -hmm. didn't. I just happened to like him a lot. And then I, if you go back to the year before, I'd probably have this group towards the back end of the Wills, Werfs, Becton, Thomas. But I think they are legitimate top 15-level players. They're in the ballpark. Yeah. They're, not, they're not far behind. No, they aren't far behind. They're no, real close. Yes. And, and ultimately, when you're talking about a grade that's probably that close, that's, that's a hit or miss thing because oh, yeah. they could easily wind up being a better class. Oh, for sure. Because they're close enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, right. and, 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 and to be honest, too, a lot of it also depends on what do you term the success ratio to be. Is it that all these guys wind up being immediate starters? Is it that they get second contracts from their current teams? Does it matter if they make Pro Bowls or not? Those are all levels of success. You have to yeah. define what what is success for you. And I'll say this too, yeah, Cliff. Yeah, I think, Cliff, would, real they quick. Would have to be, they would have to be immediate starters, and, and they would have to have a really good chance of being renewed. Yeah, Cliff. To be drafted I, in yeah, the top seven. And right, Cliff, I'll say this right. real quick too. I think with Neil and Aquanu specifically – I think those two guys are extremely safe picks because of something Ryan said when he was on. They can play guard. You know that if they fail a tackle, you can move them to guard, and they're going to be good <laughs> starters at worst. Pro bowlers a legitimate possibility. So those guys are really, really mm -hmm. safe. 
That's why Cross is a little bit more dangerous, even though I like him more as a pass protector. No doubt. He's never played right tackle, mm-hmm. and he's only a tackle. So Correct. that's kind of where the balancing act is there. I agree. Okay, with that. If, that, if that doesn't count as development, that's fine with me. Moving into guard is not development. They can, they can contribute right away there. I'll take that. I will add for this for you, though. I do think that right now, the day that they enter the draft, Cross is the best pure pass protector. I agree. Better than any of the, the guys who came out last year. Mm-hmm. Coming into the draft. I think Slater was. I think just as a I pure think pass Cross protector. Cross was a better pass protector than Sewell was. I think Slater technically is the best pass protector of all of them. Now, trait-wise, Cross is better traits-wise. But just off the tape, because Cross has longer arms mm-hmm. and Cross is a little bit of a better athlete. I love I his thought, love his feet and I love his strike. Agree, one hundred percent. Love him. I, I thought Slater's tape pass pro was a little bit better because it was a little bit more of a pro matter style of system. matter of flavor. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Can Cross run block? He he's going to have to. He's going to have to show it. Now here's the thing. Going to have to show some more power too. Here's the thing, Cliff, and 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 thank Cliff for the call. I got other guys I want to get in here. The thing about Cross that's interesting, and I had a who I this was Brandon Thorne who I had on the huddle a couple weeks ago. He was great. Cross when he was recruited was not recruited into the air raid system. He was there when that system arrived. So he was recruited to be a more traditional mm-hmm. tackle, run-blocking type of guy. So the thought is that it's in there. They just haven't asked him to do it. So that's a projection. Well, because of the air raid system, they did not have him power block or enhance his power. Well, they didn't run. Right. That's (laughs) the point. So now, in the NFL, if you're going to want more of that out of him, see, it's very simple. If you value the power quotient, that's something that you can adjust for a guy who comes in as he matures, Mm -hmm. as he gets into your weight program, your nutrition program. You can enhance that. That's one of the things you can help him with. You can advance. Yeah. Now that there are to, some things that are a little harder. Now than that you. has to be inside though, too, to be well, a real physical you have to have a fire. run blocker. You have to have a fire to do it, yes. a desire to mm-hmm. do it. But there are some other things that are more difficult. Agreed. To advance. Yeah, like if you don't have the feet, I don't care how you try to advance it, you can't pass pro. That's a problem. Right, correct. Okay. Wow, you're actually coming along on my side in all this. I appreciate no, that. No, well, I mean it's fundamentals. <laughs> like it. This is fundamentals. You know, you could always you can always enhance power. That's always been a trait that you can you can help. But you know, there are definitely some things that are more difficult. So I think cross certainly to me, I would not have a problem if the Giants took him at seven. I just wouldn't. Jeff, you got something? I heard you trying to say something there for a second. No, 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 I'm good. I know. I just know that he does, you know, um, in that air raid system, they, they, you guys were talking about man, they, they don't do a lot of that. So it's just he's going to have to, you know, if he gets to this next, when he does get to this next level, he's going to have to improve his pro style run blocking, if you will. So, um, but I feel like, don't you guys both agree that it's a lot easier to improve on that than improve on pass blocking at this level. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Down. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing you got to keep in mind too, Jeff, remember most teams have right-handed quarterbacks, mm-hmm. which means the strong side is the right tackle side, which is where sure. your tight end is, yeah. which you means he's going to have help. Yeah. You know, yep. you could, yep. you could, your tight end can be there as the inline guy. You could use an H back, fullback, whatever you want to do. You can give him a little bit of assistance in the run blocking game initially, if you want to, provided that your left tackle can hold up on his own. Which you would think Andrew Thomas can. I so. would have no problem with yeah. that. 
All right, here's a question for you. I think I've asked you this before. Because you keep saying, all right, I'll cross, I'm good with it, seven. What happens if both those offensive tackles are off the board? And you're sitting there at five, and you think the Panthers are taking an offensive tackle at six. How do you risk losing him waiting until seven? See, the, well, if, if both tackles are gone at five, that also assumes that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone, correct? Let, let's say uh, let's say it's – I'll make it tough ooh. on you. Let's say it's Walker, Hutchinson, Neal, and Aquano that are gone. So I can take Thibodeau at five. Yeah, but you can get him at seven too. You think I can get him at seven? You think you think that Carolina passes on him? Carolina is not passing on an offensive tackle. Have you looked at their offensive tackles? Yeah, well, it's a disaster. Try not to. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more reason why they're probably going to pick one. <laughs> Let's put it this way: I would I would probably be okay with either one. Who would I ultimately take? Thibodeau or Cross at five? I would probably take Thibodeau. I would see. I would take Cross and thinking that I can get Thibodeau at seven. Because they already have Brian Burns. He's excellent. Yeah, but then there's that problem that somebody might trade up to the sixth spot. Yeah, but they would trade up for a quarterback, I think. Well, like Jeff said, right now, there's a potential, especially if a, quote, real good pass rusher starts to slide. It's, it's a deep, somebody might go up and get him. It's a deep pass rusher class, though. I'm not so sure that I agree with that. I think mm. it's a deep pass rushing class in terms of guys who are going to be okay, but in terms of guys who are going to get double-digit sacks. Oh, no, no, I agree. There's, there I don't think there's a bunch of those. There aren't a bunch of Kayvon Thibodeaux running around. That's agreed, 100%. And you know what, when, what Ryan was saying is Here's the problem, though. But, like, for example, Jeff, real quick, like if yeah. you lose out on Thibodeau, then just pick Sauce Gardner. Fine. Yeah, you got no problems there, right? You, and and yeah. by the way, you get best available, which both of those are you best could, available at could, that point, and they are needs. Or Kyle Hamilton, yeah. if you like that yeah. too. Oh, God. I, well, listen. I, I would not be upset if they took any one of those guys in that spot. Let me make that very clear. I would not be. Neither would I. My only preference here is that I get a Quanu at five. That is my one thing that's going to cost me some blood. Okay, I'm going to spill. I'm going to spill some plasma on the floor. <laughs> If Aquano isn't there at five, that's the only one I'm married to. The guys that the guys that I the guys that I have targeted with those picks, that I'd be fine with, without a question. You know, I don't know about the off-field Thibodeau stuff. I just don't. So, based on the tape, I'd be fine with him. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine with Sauce Gardner. I'm assuming Hutchinson yeah. is not going to be there. I'm going to take him right. out of the mix. Right. right. I think that's fair. The three tackles. And Hamilton? And the, <clears throat> I'm still on, I haven't made my final decision on Hamilton yet. But well, those, Ryan brought up those, a good, good point about him and, uh, you know, McKinney being that. That would be a pretty sweet combo. Yeah, but the Giants there. don't play too high safeties. Well, I mean. I, we don't know what Wink has in mind. Well, yeah. Wink has never played he too never high has. safeties. He never has. Yeah. Uh, did not do it in Baltimore. Did yeah. not do it in Baltimore. That's I for sure. a lot of zero. And again, <laughs> his, his defense is more predicated on disguises in the front seven, not in the back. Now, how, so to be frank right. with you, to be, be frank with you, that's a it it does not seem to be a match made in heaven. But this goes back to my question for Ryan. If Hamilton has that high a grade, do you pick him anyway? You know, if 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 his grade is so good that he literally is well, you know how they grade guys. They grade guys in zeros and five point fives. If 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 this guy has literally half a point or better 
than everybody else who's sitting there at the time. That's enough from some teams to say he's clearly a better player. We've got to go. Well, I think Other most teams, teams will say will we don't him. care. No, I think most teams will have that, that grade, Paul. I mean, most teams have this guy as the best player in the draft. Okay, so if the best player in the draft drops to you at, let's say, him. five or at seven, and you really believe he is the best player in this draft, how can you criticize a team for taking the guy? That's what my whole point was about these people who get so enamored with positional value. Well, don't yeah, say but, that in front of John. <laughs> no, look, I love positional value, but here's the problem. Hamilton's not flawless. Yeah. The guy ran a 4.57 at his pro day, ran a 4.6 at, at that, that. He's not a guy you're going to let cover one-on-one against quicker slot receivers. So there's... There's some it, it, Now, if, it, yeah. if you was like Derwin James and you told me he's Derwin James, all right, cool. Give me Derwin James. I don't know if he's Derwin James. This is why a heavy part of that conversation for me, and I'm not telling you I would take him. What I am telling you is I would not cry if they did. I would not object if they did. I'm not telling you he would be my guy. Right, no, I understand. My point, however, is I would have to have a very serious conversation with my defensive coordinator and my head coach and say, look, this guy, let's just say he is by far the best player left on the board. He's the best player in this draft. We're up at five or we're up at seven. Fellas, if we make this plunge, if we jump into the water here, what are you doing with him? Are you going to guarantee me that you get max value out of this guy who's the best player on the board? If you can assure me that you've got a spot for him that's going to max him out, I can take the plunge. If you can't, then I can't take it. Oh, is he, is he better than the other Notre Dame guy that's on the roster? Julian Love? Yeah. No, I'm sure as hell hope so. I would hope so, Well, then so why too. wouldn't you take him, then? He, Julian Love can play. He can play. He, he's probably better off dropping down playing a slot receiver than, than he is. See, for me, the question is not if he's better than a guy you have because when you draft somebody in the first, second, or third rounds, if you're picking they better a, be better than anybody you have. If you're picking a safety in the top seven, he better be a Pro Bowl player. Right. But my point is right. that I, I don't. And you th- better th- use him as such to get him there. But, but Paul, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to 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 react like the fans are going to react. They're they're going to be like, "What are we doing?" I could care less. No, I know. I but that. But listen, I'm just telling you. This is. You, it's just the way people think. And and you said it before. The the fans are going to freak out if they pick Kyle Hamilton. At they that are. Pick. See now that's yeah. the thing. Like if you told me I knew Kyle Hamilton, I could trust to line him up as a cornerback and cover one on one. No like, problem. Look, Derwin James I, I can get do your that, point, right? Paul, John, like Derwin yeah. James can line up and cover any receiver right, in the league yeah, and be fine. Right. Yeah. right. I but don't you know, know that Hamilton can do that, right. and that's what's making me hold back from him just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You don't think they would ever move him to a linebacker, right? No. Not as a no. standard linebacker, no. but a guy in the box and in, in the sub package. Sure. I mean, that's going to be part of what he does. Remember, he only weighed in at 220 at the combine. I thought he was closer to 230. At mm-hmm. 220, he's a safety. He's not a linebacker. He okay. needs to get strong. He's another guy who's going to have to get stronger when he gets into the NFL. If you're going to maximize his versatility and use him enough in that front seven, he better get stronger. There's no doubt. What I was going to say earlier, John, was um, on Thibodeau. You know, Ryan had mentioned that you know he had no problems taking him with the fifth pick, and it really, from what he had heard and and spoken to people about the off-field stuff, that there's really nothing there. That you know, a lot of times, as you know, how this gets blown out of proportion to some of these guys. Now, see, I don't think it's off-field stuff, Jeff. Yeah. I if, think- what is it? 
it's people think that he thinks he already has learned everything right, which he we needs talked, to yep. learn. Yeah, I got you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, you know what? I think that that can be nipped in the bud right away when he gets in the building. I really do. That's just me. No, well, you could be right. Part of that, if you remember, part of that, Tom Coughlin would, would tell us about when they drafted a guy, he would say, I know I have a strong locker room. I know I have leaders here. Right. I know how I have guys who will take care of that business. Jeff, you played on teams who had that. Yeah, but sure. how, how do Brian Dable and Joe Shane know if they have that or not? And and that's why that's a variable now that we can't identify. You almost think the guys they want to draft this year should we'll be, be those guys, guys eventually. for them in the well, future. Right, and, exactly. And that's one of the reasons that Dable and Shane – we're putting so much emphasis on these interviews at the combine. Right. Hey, which by the and way, research. guys, if you go to if you go to Twitter or any of the social media sites, they they got the picture of all the quarterback or excuse me, all the head coaches and you know that shot that they take at the at the at that meetings. That oh, is at. it out? Is it out? I haven't <laughs> seen it. You go look at that picture. I will pay anybody if you can name all thirty-two of those coaches the way that they look from the what they look. It's hard. Did Andy I mean, Reid have on his tropical floral well, you, shirt? The again? one picture I saw, Andy Reid was in the back, and you really couldn't see the oh. outfit. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's 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 pretty mind-boggling when you go look at that picture. I mean, you got some of the old guys in there, you know, the Pete Carrolls of the world, and Andy Reid's, and um, you know, a few other ones. But man, I'll tell you. What a young-looking group. <laughs> you know, what they need to do one year for this photo is dress Andy Reid in the Elton John <laughs> oh my uh, God. spangled pulse. Why? That's what they need to do. That's what they need to do. I don't think they need to do that. No, I don't think they need to <laughs> yeah, do but that But he's got to outdo himself. Paul. No, the, he does the, not need to outdo the himself. The tropical shirt is old school he's now. It's, gone, it's, 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 it's boring. He has gone far go, enough. Go get an Elton John tux. See now, if with, Hard, the, with the glasses? See now, when Hard Knocks does the Giants, I'm going to put you in one of those Elton John tux <laughs> and have you run around the practice field. All right, I've done a terrible job getting in callers today, but I think we've had a really fun, illuminating conversation. I apologize. We've tried. And you've been holding, so I'll make sure we have two guys on hold. We'll go a little past 1 o'clock, which is fine. We'll give you all the time you need. OG in D.C. Steve-O, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? That was a great show. I appreciate you taking my call. Well, I'm going to make a quick quick comment, and then I have a question. Um, first of all, John, it was a great interview. I think it was like a podcast you did with Trevor Sikimian. Uh, Trevor oh. Sikima? Yeah, okay. Yes. yes. I, yes. I got you. That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, but one, one thing stood out to me, though, that I thought was very interesting. And I mean, I know these are guests, so you're not there to, you know, challenge anything they say. But I noticed you didn't really flinch when he basically, well, he did. He basically said that Willis was his eighth rated player in his draft. Do you agree with that or not? Because you didn't say you didn't push back when he said that. Uh, well, I didn't want to get into a huge quarterback conversation. Willis is my favorite quarterback in the class. Uh, I think he's worthy of a first round selection. I would not select him in the top ten unless, unless I'm a team that is literally at like the beginning of a rebuilding process. And if you really believe that's your guy, I I, I guess I understand it. But I, generally speaking, no, I do not believe grade wise he is anywhere near the eighth best player in this class. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, all right. well, you know, obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that have them going pretty high. Like, uh, do you think that Jared Goff has done more in this league than Danny Jones at this point? Yeah, he made a Super Bowl. Of course he has. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, but meanwhile, there's talk of, you know, Detroit bringing in, you know, uh, you know possibly picking Willis. 
So, you know, but first thing I'm just going to say this, because obviously I, I really don't really have a dead set quarterback, but I, I, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to be completely on record that they can, it can be totally irresponsible for us not to take a quarterback if we do not decide to move back with one of these draft picks. I just, you know, I just, you know, there's no logical reason that we don't know the price. We don't even know if if two or three draft picks would get us to our guy because I'm projecting about eight teams possibly being in the quarterback draft for next year. I thought that's why we acquired the extra pick last year. So I'm hoping that this front office has actually learned the lessons of the past and not showed our true hand, which is really another issue I wanted to go to it, which is because I really feel like no disrespect to John Mayer, but I don't like the fact that he's saying things about the team unnecessarily, like, you know, basically giving a pass to, you know, Daniel Jones saying we've done nothing to help him, which I think is an absolutely ridiculous statement, and it takes away accountability from him. So I don't, you know, when he says another thing over the weekend, basically saying that he thinks Daniel Jones is that franchise guy or he could be the guy or something to that, so unnecessary. And just, I mean, even to the point where Daniel Jones has to come out and take some responsibility for itself. But I'm saying all the same. I'm hoping for once we are actually playing chess and not checkers because it's not okay for all these other teams to be willing to talk about dropping down for what a so-called, and I emphasize so-called, quarterback class that we've heard before and watched other teams and, and then end up watching them having great success out of those classes. But it just seems like why do we have to continue as fans watch all the other you know teams make moves and we just act, pretend to be the smartest guys in the room with the worst record. None of these teams talking about getting a quarterback need a quarterback more than we do. We don't know. We have a quarterback who hasn't played well. We haven't picked up his fifth-year option. We probably won't. You know, his health is a question, and we don't need a quarterback. And we no, Steve, 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 Steve. What's the argument I've made to you every time you've called to make this phone call? It's the second time, and I ain't going to make it again. But I just want to... No, <laughs> no, 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 Steve, no, Steve, no, Steve. My point isn't that. I said to you on the phone with Jeff Fiegels on Friday, if I thought there was a quarterback sitting there at five that was a future all-pro quarterback that would be your franchise quarterback for a long time, I'd be fine taking him. I do not believe that player exists in this draft class. Don't manufacture a player that you do not think is there. Now, maybe the Giants think a guy is there. I don't know. Maybe you think a guy is there. That's there. That's everyone's own personal evaluation. What happened to developing a player, though, John? No, Steve, no, no. You pick value. You pick the guys that you think are going to be good. You don't just throw something against the wall and say, "Uh, I hope I can make this guy good. I mean, no, I, I get that. That's I get a mistake. that, John. Yeah. My, my point is being listen, I get it. You're not supposed to take a guy if you don't believe in him. I, I don't think any, I would never expect this team to do that, John. My point is this I'm tired of us being the smartest guy in the room, and then we end up with the worst record. So, every, this, it's just not but Steve, okay here's the thing. I, I don't understand what you mean by that. And, Steve, you made the point, too, where, like, I don't want the Giants to repeat the mistake of the past. They just picked Daniel well, Jones sixth overall. Well, well, no, no, no. Mistakes in the past, meaning, you know, just kind of kind of putting our hand about what players we like and what the players we don't like and, and then end up getting jumped, you know, in, in front of us. That's what I was referring to. Now, you know, I really don't want to go all on that because, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a kind of a general statement. And, you know, okay, I got you. I got you. I, got you. Just, I, don't want, I don't want to disclose our hands. So I'm hoping that's, you know, we're kind of just trying to throw people off with, like, we don't want a quarterback thing. Because I don't think thing. that's the case, I, I, Steve. I think you're no. very frustrated, and as a result, it dilates your logic. I understand that. It's okay. 
It's okay. You're allowed. You're allowed to be frustrated. Well, here's the thing. I don't know where any of these guys are going to be, and I think over and if we can all look at draft classes and realize that every, most of everybody's been wrong about long. But I don't know. But I do know one thing: that we we don't have our franchise quarterback. And if we did, we would have been on time and Tyrod wouldn't be here. So I know, and I know one, you know, about football. You pick a quarterback until you got one. We got nine picks. Nobody has more equity and in better position. Next year, we're going to be at a. We we hope not to be picking as high, and we know good and well the cost is going to be a whole lot more this year. So if you're turning your stomachs about what other teams are doing over a so-called bad draft, bad draft last year, now it's a pipe dream. Hoping we can actually get to the one of these top two guys next year. It's inexcusable. That's all I'm gonna say. I appreciate you letting me, you know, get my little van out. I will, I won't, I will leave that subject off the table from now on. But I'm just telling you, it's inexcusable, and I want to be on record. You are on the record. There you go. You're on the record, buddy. Just be prepared to face that at the end of the season. That's all. Well, look, we'll see how the quarterback looks. Exactly. Odds are one of these guys is going to be an okay. Just the odds are being okay. (sighs) Yeah. And again, okay, and, 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 and okay, again, okay doesn't and it may, necessarily mean a, a star, right? Right, and it may wind up being okay three years down the road, correct? Too, yes. I mean, uh, what one one quick item in terms of comparing the Goff and and Jones ledgers? Yes, Goff has had better results, but he was also on a contending Rams right. team that had a hell of a lot more around him than Daniel Jones did. Right. So Goff goes to a bad Detroit team, and what happens to his? Results, they go in the tank. Gee, and look what, what, a co- what a coincidence! <laughs> when you the- have better players around your quarterback, <laughs> his record's better. I never way, would have thought that was possible, John. That's look- like, oh my God, what a what a revelation! And look where their quarterback went. He went to a team that had a lot of people around him, and he went to Super Bowl. So there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, please, anybody who who wants to be anti-Daniel Jones, whatever you do, don't try to bring up comparisons like that because they will not fly. No, look, and look, I get Steve's point. You want to always make sure you're addressing the quarterback position until you're sure that you have one. I agree with the strategy. I'm with you. It's just not this year. But that doesn't mean that you reach at five or seven for a player that you don't think is good enough for that Mm -hmm. spot. No. You can think both those things at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Final call of the show is Muhammad in Ohio. He's up next. Muhammad, Hello, Muhammad. What's going on? Hi. Hey, can you guys hear me? Loud and clear. Yeah. What's up? Hey. Uh, so let me put that put that on the record that I'm a, I'm a Daniel Jones believer. Um, I think he's a franchise guy, and I think he's gonna make it. Okay. Give this call uh, more time, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for dialing us up. Hey, no problem. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is my first time calling. I've been listening to you guys for for a long time. You know, I first started listening when I was in my mid twenties, and now I'm in my thirty. You know, I'm, I'm thirty five now, and I'm married, and I have three kids, and you know, it's, wow. I'm all headed. So, thank you. Know? <laughs> Thanks so for sticking with us, man. We appreciate it, dude. What <laughs> right. do you got? Hey, hey, no problem, man. So I just have one scenario that I was just thinking about. So I have four 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 players that I really want. Like at five, like if, if they're there, like we have to take them. So it's Thibodeau. If Thibodeau is there, we have to take him. Iquano is is the second guy, and 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 um and and, and Kyle Hamilton. So and and the fourth guy, I'm not gonna say him right now because you know we, we can take him later on. I just want to say him for Jeff. Um, so anyway, let's just say that Atlanta calls us and they want to come up to number five, and let's just say that you know Hutchinson is number one, uh, number two we have you know Thibodeau we go to number two to Detroit. And then number three, uh, we have Neil go to whoever's picking number three. 
I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, Texans. Um, and then number four, let's just say Cal Hamilton goes there. And we have Equano sitting there, number five. Mm-hmm. But Atlanta wants us to go, you know, to move down to number number um, eight, I believe, right? Uh, nine. Um, I believe the Falcons Atlanta's are nine. nine yes. Seahawks are ten. So I guess my, my question for you then, in that trade, am I getting the Falcons' first-round pick next year? Absolutely. Better be. Done. Yeah. Done. Wrap it Absolutely. up. Put a bow on it. And run to the store because you're guaranteeing me I'm getting – No, because I'm still getting Charles Cross. That's how I know. Since both offensive tackles are there, and I know I'm getting one of them, and I'm getting – and Atlanta's going to be bad this year, okay? So I'm getting a top-10 yeah. pick next year, and maybe I'm getting a sweetener, like a, a second-round pick somewhere too. And Done. you're getting your guy. And, and under that specific seven, Finish. Done. Make it – Run, sprint. Under oh, that specific circumstance, yes. Oh, Paul's but, on board, too. It's got to be that way, though. It's got to fall that way. If it doesn't <laughs> fall thing, that way, the then I'm I might not, not do it. I'm not super high on cross. I'm not super high on cross. Like, let's just say the Giants are not super high on cross, right? And let's just say they're not thinking that, hey, we can take cross on, you know, next pick or whatever. So that means that they're not going to be picked, you know, they're not going to be taking a, a tackle in the first round, you know, let's just say maybe in the second round or whatever, and, and or trade up, in, you know, in the first round or whatnot. So are you willing to actually take that first round of next year and give up on the quantum and, and settle for not cross, but like somebody like Penning or, or, or whoever, whoever the next guy is? Uh, I mean, I don't think you would pick Penning there at seven. I think then you would pick either like Sauce Gardner or somebody no, not like a, that. No, right? I'm not saying at seven. Right. right. No, no, I'm saying if, if it's a Kwanu, uh, if, if you don't if you don't take Kwanu or five, and you take the the deal with Atlanta, obviously you're not going to be taking you know a tackle at number seven if it's not cross. Yes, so, I, 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 so I would I would still be okay doing the trade. Yes. Sure, get that one for next year. Okay, even even though even though you're not you're not getting Kwanu cross. Any of those guys, you would tell well, see, I'm, I'm different. I'm in a different, in a different boat now. If, if I'm going to not okay. get a Quanu at five, I got to get Cross at seven. But that's me. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah. I, I would, me personally, I would take the pick and then, you know, have two number ones next year just in case of whatever happens with Daniel Jones. Even though I'm a believer, but just in case. Just like an insurance or whatnot. You know, you have two number ones next year that will help you. you see, know, just remember one position. thing. You, you said you're a Jones yeah. believer. And, and I appreciate I that. Am. The Giants are, too, and quite frankly, so am I. But here's the problem. Yes. If they don't get him a legitimate starter at right tackle, then you run into the same problem all over again. If you take a gamble, you take a reach, if you have somebody who you're not sure is going to be able to step in right away mm-hmm. and play right tackle, yeah. then you're putting Daniel Jones in another Big bowl of quicksand. You should be able to survive one hole on the offensive line. Oh! Do you honestly believe that any coach believes that? One hole? You don't have to have five. You don't have to have five great players. You've got to be functional. You've got to be functional. And and if you pick a rookie right tackle in the second round, are are you sure that he's functional the no. minute he walks onto campus. No, not a, not sure not Do you round, think no. that Charles Cross is? Yeah. That's the difference. That's why I'm taking Cross. But I mean, he's, he's never a... played in the right, on, the top, on the right side. Though. I know. That's the, I, that, I, that's I the understand. Main that I have with him, that he's never played on the right side. And I really don't want to move Thomas to the right side. No, I'm not going to move Thomas either. He, he needs to stay there. I'm, I'm with you on that. Thomas Thank you, Mohammed. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. You know, that. see, ultimately, 
if this is a one, this is a totally different part of this argument. If you believe that this is a one-year tryout for Daniel Jones now because they haven't given him what he needs, right? That's what the ownership says. He hasn't been given what he needs. Then you owe him in his final season, if it turns out to be, especially if you're not going to pick up that option, you owe him every piece available to give him a functional and legitimate chance to get it done. Yeah, but the Falcons could be a top five pick next year. I understand all of that. I understand all of that. But what good is any of this if you wind up not giving Daniel Jones the best chance to succeed and then he winds up failing? And then you're second-guessing yourself. So that means from here to eternity, we did not give Jones the best chance to survive. So that means you're picking an offensive tackle at five or seven no matter what. Yeah. Oh, I firmly believe with Neil, Iquanu, and Cross on the board, I need to get an offensive tackle by the time I'm done with the first round. Okay. Absolutely. But the whole scenario was if you could get you could get Cross with that trade. That's what John was saying. Well, no, no, okay. no, no. But then the caller brought up, well, what happened? He changed it. He says, I'm going to – he said, I don't like Cross. Right. So he said, oh, let's okay. assume the Giants don't like Cross, so you're not going to get right. the tackle at seven. Right. Oh, then, okay. then, Jeff, would you do it? That's when uh, I backed out. I agreed, you, I agreed with John yeah. a moment earlier when he said, oh, I, I can get cross at seven. Now I'm, I'm still willing to do it. I just like that. I would like to have that extra one yeah, next you, year. You guys are salivating over that extra one, and you're forgetting about the fact that Daniel Jones needs to survive. That's, that's the problem here. Well, what if you draft Penning at nine? Do you honestly believe after everything you've heard and seen that Penning is that much of a sure thing at nine? You really believe that? Sure. I mean, there are no sure things in this world. There are no sure things, but Lance, that he, you're gonna, you're gonna trust <laughs> Daniel Jones's opportunity and his health to Penning at nine. I don't think you really. I, mean, mean I don't that. think Penning. I don't think you really I mean think that. Nine is rich for him. It's very rich. Yeah. He's more of a teens guy for me. But see that that's the overwhelming driving force yeah, for me. You could have a top five. Pick Why do you think year? I said yes. to you, I will? And I you will can get spill, another two this year. I yes. will spill yes. gallons if I don't get one of those three offensive tackles. Gallons, because I'm committed to Daniel Jones. I believe John Mara when he says what he says. Well, yeah, committed to letting him try for one more year. Not that he's the answer forever. And t- but to to give him that no, real I, chance. You're right. I'm not disagreeing with you. Got to give him. A picket fence. No, I understand. Hard choice. You have to be committed. A picket fence, yes. It doesn't have to be like a 20-foot wall, though. Picket fence is functional. (laughs) Jeff, you got anything else before we go here? No, let's leave it at the picket fence is functional. (laughs) (laughs) Good day, Jeff. For Jeff Eagles and Paul I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Until then, adios.